1: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello everyone and welcome to the Sports Great Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined by my guy, John Daigle. We are going to do our do not draft list obviously uh best ball summer is not over yet we got nine days left as John and I are recording this there's always a price on everyone right I don't really like Dallas Goddard but Dallas Goddard falls 15 spots I don't have uh Jalen hurts I can always take Kyler Murray or Michael Wilson or someone you know there's always a price but I mean John we're it is redraft season people are people are gearing up for their home leagues we got main events happening. We got NFFC prime times. Like it is, this is peak drafting season that we are in right now.
0: You can tell in the clicks and listens and videos and downloads as well. Uh, even everything at the 44 YouTube channel, art podcast, I'm seeing the metrics roll in and it's, it's crazy. It's just so much different as someone who's been recording like you since February, since March on the same topics. Um, I find myself like saying the same things over again for like the seventh time because Those people didn't even hear me say those things like last month, even everyone's rolling in now, which is fine. That's okay. Like those are my people. That's why I'm here. So yeah, you could just tell that everyone's gearing up right now. It's beautiful. Uh, You know, I actually, I've been
1: having the most fun of drafting in any off season. I've also really just been enjoying content. I mean, there have been entire off seasons where maybe I've listened to, I don't know, five fantasy podcasts or something, but I'm sitting here. You know, I'm checking four for four. I'm I'm reading Paulson's draft draft day strategy. I'm reading mm-hmm. the zero running back list on RotoViz. Like I'm I'm loving it. Maybe maybe this is just a loop of coming around. You know, I've been doing fantasy football content for so long, but I'm I'm having a blast this offseason. I think it's helped that the market has been shifting as we've been going through, but no one's gotten decimated yet. You know, we haven't had a second round pick tear their ACL.
0: No, I think the most relevant ones were these past couple of weeks and Terry McLaurin, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jerry Judy. And even those guys, as we're seeing in drafts in my own home leagues, there's a price for everyone. Uh, If you start letting Jerry Judy drop all the way down to the like Michael Pittman, Mike Evans tier of players, it's like, well, I'll take Judy in the ninth and I have no idea when I'm going to get him, but he's my wide receiver five. Why do I care? I can pad until he comes back. So, yeah, we're just seeing everyone handle it differently. As we said, it's a it's a really fun time, especially in redraft leagues, because you and I, we talked about it before the show that in best ball, it just differs so much. Like I may not ever take Jonathan Taylor, but then everyone doesn't take Jonathan Taylor and he's at the end of the third round and it's like, I have to take Jonathan Taylor. That's the way this works. But in home leagues, hard fades are so much easier because- Everyone usually just has one or two teams, and so they go into every draft. ADP is more predictable in home leagues because wild things happen, but that pushes good players down the board, especially because running backs are usually catered to in those types of formats. So just much easier to say, I'm not taking this player in your league because I know the general gist of where he's going to go.
1: Yep. All right. So let's get into it. First guy on my do not draft list. uh, It is Joe Mixon. And not that I mm. would obviously, not that I would obviously never take Joe Mixon, but I was just chatting. I have a main event draft tonight with uh, Evan, Reeves, Thorman, and JJ, and we're sort of outlining mm-hmm. our plan. And really, I mean, I don't love Mixon's profile. I think there's reason to believe he will lose some passing down work to one of these rookies, you know, along the way. But it's more that in the range where he's going, I like quite by like quite a bit prefer the guys who are going. Around him and behind him. So for example, if I'm on the clock and Travis Etienne and Joe Mixon are both there, I'm not even really thinking. I'm just snap drafting Travis Etienne. But the other wow. thing is okay. the other thing is that the round six running backs, I think, profile super similarly to Mixon. Um Damian Damian Pierce, I think, has a really similar range of outcomes to Joe Mixon, obviously on a worse team, but I think. That if you made me bet right now minus one ten either side who touches the football more in twenty twenty three I think I'm taking Damian Pierce minus one ten more total touches of the football than Joe Mixon, and that's before getting into Breeze Hall, DeAndre Swift, James Cook, J.K. Dobbins. Like it's really I guess, and the the his guys have been harping on this, but the profiles of a lot of the second year running backs are cheaper than Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Alexander Madison, so. It's, it's really, it's not even so much about Mixon, who I think is basically fine. Like if you told me Davis, I I'm, I'm on the four, I I got the four ten, and I'm taking Joe Mixon. I'm not telling you you're stupid, but for me, I would prefer to take, I mean, for example, Justin naked, Justin Fields there, something Mm -hmm. like that. Like I, I prefer those options.
0: That's the skeleton key. In my opinion, for 2023, like home leagues for everyone is that. Those running backs are going to get pushed off the pushed up the board. And all of them, as you mentioned, are a flat tier of hell. It is all yeah. high floors, no ceiling. And like imagine drafting a high floor, zero ceiling player over all win big loss players small win big loss over christian watson big win small losses uh over drake london who can command easily a higher target share than kyle pitts and the list goes on and on with those players as well so i agree with you that's kind of the way I'm handling every draft right now. And so it's not really something against Joe Mixon. I think there's a great reason why he had a career high in targets per game because Joe Burrow tied for the league lead in dropbacks against two high safety coverage. They forced him to throw underneath. And I think that continues. And now the third down back, Samaji Piran presumably is out of the way. And so I do think Mixon probably gets even more opportunity. Uh, Chase Brown also in his last two years at Illinois didn't play special teams. I do genuinely wonder since, Chris Evans and Travion Williams were active on special teams in the playoffs last year. If Chase Brown's even going to be active through the first couple months of the season, and that would give Mixon, I guess, even more work, um, from my understanding. So that's the way I'm looking at it. But I agree from the top down, big picture wise, as much as I love some of those players individually, I like Cam Akers. Uh, I know the underdog boys, Josh Norris and Hayden Winks, love Damian Pierce for his three-down work role in the preseason. I even don't mind Joe Mixon, but yes, I agree. I'm just kind of trying to skip all those guys because I don't think the receivers are worse off than those players. I think the receivers in that range win your league. That tells us we should just skip that group of running backs.
1: Yep, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's It, it is more profile-based. Like, I don't even think the idea – that he plays more third downs the first, I don't know, uh, eight weeks of the season Uh than he did last year. I don't even think that's wrong. It's really just more, I think I can replicate his basic fantasy points per game 20 picks later, and I can take Watson, I can take Drake London, you know, I can take, an elite quarterback i can take i mean darren waller goes right in that range now Jahan Um, Dotson
0: is moving up boards now like you can definitely find deontay johnson like you can find those guys for sure uh ffpc it's still a little harder but like i'd even take gabe davis over over that group of players like travis etienne and joe mixon because he's just a better option with a higher ceiling
1: yep i think that is i think that is a hundred percent accurate all right uh I'll, I'll let you go who's uh who is your first do not draft
0: guy first hard fade the best ball bros aren't gonna like it but i have not been drafting jalen waddle all off season i do not think he belongs in the same tier as devonta smith and chris olave because in my opinion he doesn't have the same ceiling i understand he was explosive last year and he did lead the league with 18.1 yards per catch as the team's definitive second receiver but let's start there. He is the team's second receiver. There is no 1A, 1B. It is Tyreek fucking Hill and then Jalen Waddle with two on the field. Tyreek Hill had a 32.5% target share. Jalen Waddle was all the way back at 22%. He literally got there on efficiency. And maybe he's just that type of player who gets throws underneath, like in that Bill's Christmas game, and it takes it upfield for 80 yards because nothing can stop him. He's that type of explosive talent. But at the same time, if we're looking at historical trends, top-down, only... 12 events, only 12 instances of a wide receiver averaging over 18 yards per catch on 70 receptions as Jalen Waddle did in the Super Bowl era. And literally none of them were able to replicate that efficiency the next year. And those 12 Players, they average four fewer yards per catch the next season and 22 fewer yards per game, which is a massive lop off of Jalen Waddle's total if that even average dip were to happen this season. And he's going around the mid second round, end of second round. And to me, it's just obvious we should be taking Devonta Smith, Mark Andrews, Chris Olave, even Jameer Gibbs at the turn. There's so many other players that I want over Waddle if I'm assuming he falls off just a hair and Tyreek Hill commands everything. So I don't disagree
1: in a vacuum. The reasons Mm -hmm. why, and I I don't think I am particularly overweight on on Jalen Waddle. Let me let me do a little uh 309 teams, I've got Jalen Waddle at 10%. So like a little bit over the market. That's fine. But the reason why I actually don't even disagree with your argument in a vacuum. I think that there are a couple reasons why he seems fine there. The first being he obviously has like literally The most contingent value, I think, of any wide receiver in the NFL, maybe maybe T has more. But if Tyreek were to miss any time, whatever, Uh, I mean, actually, I think Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle are like incredibly similar in that way. Obviously, Waddle was even more efficient in year two. 117 targets. I mean, what, what is your target projection for Waddle? What, what do you think his percentage of the pie? Do you think he can be, do you think Tyreek can be a 28% target share guy and Waddle can be a 25%? Or do you think that is unrealistic?
0: I wouldn't say unrealistic, but I don't think Waddle is a 25% guy like at all, considering we already saw that he wasn't with Tyreek on the field. Um, If we think Tyreek stays healthy for a full season as well, and Tua stays healthy. I mean, they they literally scheme targets, concerted targets for Tyreek Hill as well. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, no, I, I think Tyreek's ceiling is around 35%, like a Devontae Adams. And then that would then lop off Waddle altogether. So I, I think Waddle, the bottom, the floor is much lower than people give it credit for.
1: I think, I think, I think he has a floor of like an 18% target share honestly which is pretty scary Mm. with a late second round pick yeah you know because that that would be in a world where uh a chain is healthy from this shoulder injury and they start playing him in like week two or three instead of like week five or eight I mean honestly at this point I would not be surprised if a chain is back healthy and actually but just a scratch that they that they have Gaskin or Ahmed active over him begin the year but it would have to be running back targets
0: so as they come trickling in I will tell you just like literally two minutes ago uh I I just saw my notifications that Gaskin was the one that got cut um what we're looking for really is so that means
1: they kept Achmed as the special teamer then
0: Yes, but A-Chain is still in the running because the team's starting kick returner and being active on game days. That's kind of something we're looking for. Same thing as like Richie James, is he going to return punts? Because if so, that gets him active over Justin Ross most likely every game. So just one of those little things we're trying to watch for.
1: Yeah, okay. So that's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I don't... It feels like one of those things where I like Waddle as a player, so I take him over T. Higgins. But I, I have started taking... Calvin Ridley over Jalen Waddle at that spot because Ridley's got I mean Ridley could have 180 targets actually
0: yeah I think I think the preseason helped out Ridley a lot too uh, I'm still trying to weigh how much was just preseason FUD and Calvin Ridley looking damn good on those targets
1: yeah I think I mean he did he did look good and like look I mean we can we can kind of laugh about it but it's a lot better than him looking shit after not playing football That's for true. two years, He right? could have looked like, like Jameson
0: Williams. Yeah, you're right.
1: It, we we did not we did not want that. All right, uh, another hard fade. And I, I actually don't think I've taken this player unstacked or within 10 spots of ADP once across, I don't know, 600, 700 drafts this offseason. And that is one Mr. Evan Ingram of the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think there is oh, a yeah. pretty big drop-off from Shits and Goddard to Evan Ingram. But if I if the bet was just, I want to bet on a young offense and that the quarterback play gets even better and that the passing volume increases, I prefer Fryermuth And then one of the most unsexy picks in fantasy football is David Njoku. I don't even like clicking David Njoku. But he does, I mean, he he will literally run all the routes. I mean, I would be surprised. I would be surprised if he has under 80% route participation for the Browns. And he could, I mean, he I actually think David Njoku... Leading tight ends in route participation, all tight ends, is is in play because they need his skill set, and if they're going to do a bunch of 12 personnel, he's going to be the tight end that runs the routes there. So really, it's just Kirk retains his his uh, route participation and his uh, target share in 11 personnel. Zay Jones earns, I, I believe, 120 targets off the top of my head last hmm. year. You add Calvin Ridley into that obviously i'm talking about etn i think etn's target share i think his role in the passing. because i actually went back and this is very football guy i mean i actually went back and watched some etn stuff from last year and a lot very of football the, guy yeah very football guy but a lot of the things that people say about him about him being an unnatural pass catcher i don't think are fair i think he looks pretty good there's there like he had the, he had a snap against the he had um a catch against the chiefs where he like catches it and then immediately falls over like there's some stuff that you don't love about him. But I think as the season goes on, it just becomes a spot where ETN is so good that the coaches are just thinking about getting him the ball more often. So I just see his piece of the pie getting compressed in like three different directions. The piece of the pie wasn't that big to begin with. It, I mean, he, he scored 28% of his fantasy points in one game last year, which is not to say he can't do that this year. Obviously he could have, a 10 for one fifty in and two game. Cause I think Evan Ingram is pretty good. Like as a, a route runner, as a receiving tight end, it's just that I see his target share getting compressed. And there are, when you're taking Evan Ingram, a lot of the times it's that last bastion of upside wide receivers, Rashad Bateman, he who must not be named who plays for the Kansas city chiefs, Cortland Sutton, Quentin Johnston. And I just, so I just find myself not like really never taking him unless I already have Trevor Lawrence.
0: I'm personally still on team. I don't know if Travis Etienne can earn targets in the NFL since he had his opportunity last year, 11th most routes run among all running backs in those last 12 games without James Robinson. And he still eclipsed three targets in only one of those 12 games reached a double digit target share in one of those 12 games. I genuinely don't know if he can do it. And here comes big old Tank Bigsby who averaged a career 15 and percent target share in the sec across three years at Auburn. So we'll have to see how that shakes out, but I'm with you in that I wasn't going to talk about Christian Kirk today, but he's a fade for me as well. He's been a fade for me all off season because what happened is we may have too many mouths to feed to begin with. So we have to start parsing through like the 49ers. Who are we taking out? If this offense regresses, even the slightest also Jacksonville quietly, a bottom two offensive line with the Titans in the league. I don't know if you've seen their starters. It is pitiful. So I was I am very I was worried about this argument.
1: I was having this argument with Reeves earlier and Oh, really? Okay. I, I, and he was on, he was on your side. I mean, I don't know shit about offensive line play. Sure. I really just use Brandon Thorne stuff from ETR and mm-hmm. he has them 16th. So if they're 16th, mm. I'm not worried if they're 29th, I I'm agree. pretty worried. I'm pretty worried about, about the ETN bags. Cause they're getting, I think they're eight.
0: neck and neck with the Titans. as just like all replaceable guys. Uh, but having said that, yes, we're trying to take see who's going to lose out in this Calvin Ridley perceived high target share. And for me, it is Evan Ingram because Evan Ingram had the 29th highest lowest however you want to phrase it depth of target among all tight ends last year 6.7 yards all they did was like give him their concerted targets they gave him underneath because he's an athlete who can create yards after the catch but all they did was just keep him close to the line of scrimmage and dump it off that really doesn't lead to a ceiling and now we're trying to take away some of his targets not a player i care about you mentioned David and I'm actually much higher on Njoku than you. Whenever Deshaun Watson returned, no, I I like Njoku. It's just okay. it, it's just like it's I like him more than Ingram for sure. Like I like him. I positionally I like him better. He just Same doesn't me. Get me excited. Uh, get more excited because whenever Deshaun Watson returned last year for that final month and a half of the season, only George Kittle who won everyone their fantasy leagues and. And David Njoku saw 40% of their team's red zone targets among tight ends. Those are the only two players. Uh, So I think Njoku earns the targets from Watson where it matters most for fantasy. And he's still going around like the Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram tier. And I'm like, well, he should be up there with Fryerbooth as players who can easily outscore Kyle Pitt. So I like Njoku a lot. But then going back to Christian Kirk, I also want to take him out of this offense, at least as a ceiling play, because we already saw him lose out from in their last seven games together, Kirk and Zay Jones, without Kevin Ridley after the team's bye, Zay Jones had a 25% target share to Kirk's 22.7%. And Zay Jones was the most important player, as everyone remembers for King Cap and everyone in best ball, because he was the higher ceiling player too. He had four top eight finishes after the bye, whereas Kirk was just sitting there as a fringe wide receiver one. So of course, like Zay Jones can out-target Christian Kirk because they already did for half a year. So I don't like the perception that Kirk is like the immediate second wide receiver there. So I agree with you. Evan Ingram, Christian Kirk, those are my fades in Jacksonville's offense.
1: I was fading Kirk hard, and then I went on a pod with Leone last week, and he talked mm-hmm. me back into it. I, I with Fucking no spreadsheet, Leone. No, with no conviction on my part. The only, the only conviction would be that I think Christian Kirk is better than Zay Jones, but I don't even know if I could say that with my chest, honestly. Like, I, I think it would be, I think it would be hard for me to, like, really bet on that. Like, Zay Jones was, like, perfectly fine for the Jaguars last year next on my list Evan if you're listening I don't think you are but turn it off Alexander Madison I just like Madison has got like Madison was such a great bet historically when he was uh you know pick 115 or later when he shared that backfield with Dalvin Cook and we knew that if Dalvin Cook missed any time with that shoulder he would come in it would be a fantasy friendly offense he would get all these receptions he would get the goal line work like it was great to take him then but now that we are saying Madison, who's like a below average athlete, he's been fine in spot. Well, that's not fair. He's been really good when he spot started against the Detroit Lions. Like I think the the stat is that three of his six starts just randomly happened to come against the Lions and he scored more than 25 fantasy points in all of those. And then he was more, uh, I remember a game where he gave up like half the work to Mike Boone and he was like chalk and DFS on that slate. But really it's that, I think that management of the team views it as, sure, Madison, like, regardless of what happens, he'll be fine to get some of the work in the backfield, but Chandler might be good. Kenny and Wangu might be good. Sort of, sort of Raheem Mosterty in the sense that he wasn't really starting running back in college, but he has the athleticism to do it. And it's going back to the profiles thing for Mixon. I just prefer the profiles of the guys going behind him. Dobbins, uh, Pierce, DeAndre Swift um feels he feels like minnesota vikings
0: Najee harris what what say you um i completely agree with you i am on team ty chandler if and he is an athlete he comps to jamal charles tevin coleman historically as um an 85th percentile player with a with a 90th percentile 40 speed uh bigger stronger back who had some amazing pass blocking reps as well in the preseason that kevin o'connell applauded him for um my issue is really not even about the players. It's just about ambiguous situations because that's what this is. Yeah, bet bet the
1: cheapest guy in the ambiguous situation. People
0: have more confidence in their own projection than they do like the actual knowledge or evidence that it's going to happen. And that's where I get confused uh, because you can think Alexander Madison gets all the touches, but that's all you're doing is thinking. And I don't want to be in that boat with a top 60 pick because like in home leagues, that's where he goes. He's literally treated around – that tier we talked about earlier, like the J.K. Dobbins and the Najee Harris and ETNs. And I, I just cannot, absolutely cannot get behind that. We also just don't know if this Kevin O'Connell offense even features running backs. Like Dalvin sure. Cook ran Dalvin Cook ran the third most routes among all running backs last year and finished 21st in targets per game in, at his position. Like maybe the running back just doesn't matter. They funneled the fourth lowest rate of targets to their backfield. Maybe it just doesn't matter at all. Also, the last three years, Among every running back with at least 100 carries against light boxes, five players inside the box or less, Alexander Madison sits dead last in yards per carry in that stat. So I just also think there's a real Chase Edmonds out here to where, yes, hype him up all you want, but then they see him play NFL football, and they're like, oh, okay, Uh, who else do we got by week two? So there are just too many hills to climb, in my opinion, for Madison to hit that ADP and return the investment. So I'm just out, out completely.
1: Do, do either one of us want to do the Najee thing? Do, like, do we want to spend any time explaining why we're not taking Najee Harris? Or is that is it just a given?
0: Uh, I mean, it kind of it's, it was explained whenever we talked about ETN and Joe Mixon. I'm much lower on ETN than you. I just kind of plop them in with all the other guys and don't want to take anyone in that range. But um, I think the argument... The, the easier argument for everyone, because everyone looks and says, oh, like he got healthy after week 10 after the bye, and then he came back and averaged more touches and fantasy points. And that's true. He, his fan, his touches jumped from 16.5 before the bye to 21.5 roughly after the bye. But what happened really, if you peek under the hood, is that his share of the team's carries and touches went down. Like his touches were 76% for the bye to 70%, in the eight games of Jalen Warren after the bye, because all they did was really hide Kenny Pickett, They just averaged 7.6 more backfield touches per game, and they also gave a bigger piece of the pie, albeit albeit like a slight one, but enough to take away from Najee Harris to Jalen Warren because he was just that damn good. Najee Harris just- I think the piece was bigger than that. He was playing about
1: 40% of the snaps
0: the last six weeks of the season, Jalen Warren was. Okay, that's fine. But I mean, no, the the touches though were, Najee Harris dropped from 76% to 70%, and Jalen Warren increased from 22.8% to 26.3% of touches. Like that's how the pie was. Uh and then what happened was on those extra touches all all Najee Harris did was score more touchdowns. Like that's all anyone is saying like I think he's going to score more touchdowns. And that's another argument where I can't chase because like we don't chase like the touchdowns. If anything, we should be pushing aside and saying touchdown regression given that he's the least explosive player in the NFL. Um on Najee Harris literally since he graduated high school has 30 carries of 20 plus yards, 2.4% of his career carries. He is the least explosive running back at the NFL and has to get there on touches and ensuing touchdowns. That is not I a mean, player we, we want to bet with.
1: Do we even lose if he duplicates his rookie year where he leads the NFL in touches and he scores 10 times with 1,600 yards? He was the
0: RB7 in points per game. He handled 94% of his team's touches in his rookie year, and he was the RB7 in points per game. He couldn't even be a top-five option, so no. That was the reason you faded him last year, and we're still not betting on him this year with a better player behind him. Yeah, I just and I actually think this is kind of weird, but I
1: think if Pickens sort of takes a leap and Deontay is who we thought he is, I actually think in a weird way that's bad for Najee because the offense becomes – the checkdowns would, would, would be, I mean, they would almost be non-existent, right? So much mm-hmm. of his rookie year, he got targeted 94 times, but you know, with a super low average depth of target, like, I think you kind of wipe, like if Pickens is really, really good, as good as people think he is, then you're talking about like an even smaller share of, of the pie for him there. I mean, I would definitely, um, I would start taking him if he was a sixth or seventh round pick, you know, just, just based off the projectable volume. He never will be. No.
0: It's like no. it's like Jonathan Taylor. Like, I'll take him mid-third round. He never will be.
1: Yeah. I, I like Jonathan Taylor more than you just like just based off of I like Jonathan what... Taylor
0: in Miami. I don't like Jonathan Taylor sure. in Indianapolis. Because even at full health, you still have to survive a rookie and mobile quarterback. But it's like it's, it's still per- not go ahead.
1: Jonathan Ta- Jonathan Taylor is the ultimate what do you win when you win? And you might win number one scoring running back in fantasy if he plays 17 healthy games like it's not even your the the point about rookie quarterback, the offense is going to be kind of bad. There's going to be in bad. They're going to be in bad game scripts. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get thrown the ball. I like, all of that 100% true. Johnson Taylor, not even close to priority target for me. But if I, if we're doing, you know, if you and I do this podcast in uh, February and we're like, damn, how, why didn't we win a million dollars? And it was, oh, well, we just passed up on third round Jonathan Taylor for five months and he got 380 carries and was like the, was the best efficiency running back in the NFL. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. That's why I lost.
0: I'll still, I'll still dare Jonathan Taylor to beat me. Now, Jonathan Taylor, Miami may beat me. That's going to be where I get pissed off because that would sure. probably kill me. Yeah. Uh, all right. You you did Najee. Uh you wanna you want to take another no, one? No, no. Yeah, you did not well, we both agreed on Najee. Um, I will take one you probably don't agree with, and it doesn't translate to FFPC since it's tied in premium. But speaking of our friend Leone, he did text me. I thought he was checking in on me. I thought he was being a good guy, and then I looked down at my phone and my text just said, Hawkinson's gonna burn you because uh, I have been fading Hawkinson all. I'm off-season. fading I'm fading the shit out of TJ Hawkinson. Thank you, thank you. Someone please join me rather than all the sheep texting me. Liam also texted me the next morning to get in and yell at me. So here's what happened. Everyone's trying to extrapolate T.G. Hawkins' volume with the Vikings. One, I don't know if that volume, you can't extrapolate it since it's entirely new players, including Jordan Addison. Um, let's start there. But two, what happened in Minnesota, he did get more volume, but he became Evan Inger. He became Dalton Schultz, like the rich man's version. All they did was drag him closer to the line of scrimmage, he led the team when he joined the Vikings with 60% of their targets within nine yards of the line of scrimmage, which is why his yards per target dropped from 9.1 all the way to 6.6. Pathetic. And then they instead increased Justin Jefferson's depth of target because of course he's Justin freaking Jefferson. And it jumped whenever Hawkinson joined the team to eight yards to 11.3 yard depth
1: of target. And they people, started giving People them- listening to this, guess in your head right now, do, do your guess and say, how many games do you think in your head That T.J. Hawkinson topped 43 yards as a member of the Minnesota Vikings. The answer, he had 70 yards against Washington. He had 77 yards with no touchdowns in the revenge game against Detroit. He had the huge game against the Giants, 13 for 109 and two. And then he had 59 yards against Green Bay. He was Dalton Schultz's ass tight end. I mean, obviously he retains the spike weeks, but I think that, if I'm drafting for Spike weeks, Kittle's the better spike week bet. Waller is the better floor bet, obviously, assuming health for seventeen games, a lot of people are not willing to assume that. And then Pitts is the this is the guy you needed to have bet obviously with I mean, literal zero floor. He might be
0: Parker Hesse's backup. But yeah, so I'm with you th- that that's a lot of that's the argument a lot of people are making, but he doesn't have spike weeks. that's that's another point is that he had one top five week. With the Lions, and remember that was the week where everyone, Amon DeAndre, was injured against the Patriots, and the Lions were just getting hammered by Belichick, just schemed out, out coached to the ground, and so all they had to do was just keep on throwing the ball. and Hawkinson got there. He then joined the Vikings, and in those last twelve games, he had one top five finish. He was not a ceiling player, as he's never been for his career. And people keep saying, oh, here's a ceiling tight end. He's not a ceiling tight end. Even with that extra volume, he was not a ceiling tight end whatsoever. As you mentioned, the only two games he eclipsed 80 yards were against the Giants, who were top 10 and receptions allowed to opposing tight ends. It's such a fraud season. So I think Hawkinson, especially in half PPR leagues, can easily, easily be faded.
1: The thing thing about Hawkinson, even in... Tight end premium, though, is I don't expect him. I I think the market is assuming like a fairly large volume spike, you know, like a sure. lot of like a lot of targets. I mean, last season, he ended up with one hundred and twenty nine targets. I think they're projecting maybe even more than that. I think that is discounting Jordan Addison's ability to earn targets. You know, a lot of the yeah. a lot of the a lot of this conversation about Addison is that, oh, well, you know, he projects to be... He doesn't have the ceiling for targets because Justin Jefferson's there and because he might be in the pecking order behind T.J. Hawkinson. Well, if I'm thinking about it, and I'm Kevin O'Connell, who do I want to be my primary short, slant, drag route, you know, uh, hitch routes, things like that? Like, who do I... I would much rather throw to Addison because he's going to be way better after the catch than Hawkinson. I think Addison's really good, um, and I think that it's more likely that maybe not to begin the year. You know, I mean, this just happens with rookie wide receivers and and maybe I'll be wrong about Addison and he's not that good, but I I feel like second half of the season when the results really matter for a lot of these contests we're playing in, you know, that three-week sprint, like it would not and another thing is the Vikings do not rotate their wide receivers at all. Uh Jefferson and Thielen were one in 3 in total routes run by wide receivers in the NFL last year, like and I don't want to be drafting hawkinson and addison together hardly ever and Mm -hmm. i i just
0: prefer addison by a lot they could play more 12 personnel too since they invested 21 million into josh oliver uh which would then lead people people
1: don't want to admit that
0: yeah again it could be a different it could be a different offense um given the veterans they released including on defense this offseason i i I wrote in my team preview, I think Kirk Cousins could get benched mid-year because it is the final year of his contract and they're quietly in a soft rebuild. Like uh they they got gutted in free agency. Um they are such a bad team with just a couple star players to build around. So I do think they're kind of trying to eye the 2024 NFL draft.
1: They should have I mean if they really were doing that, they should have traded for Trey Lance.
0: Well, the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, who, again, did not consult Mike McCarthy, because, of course, why would he? He's a moron. Uh, just kind of did that on a whim, and I do not understand it. That had to be the most shocking, worst trade, oh, one of the worst trades I in NFL was, history. I think it was brilliant because – What are you getting with Trey Lance? Cooper well, Cooper Rush mean... already proved he can engineer the offense and, like, win games for you as a manager, whereas Trey Lance is not even a manager. Trey Lance is a developmental project, and you already have so much invested in the deck. Yeah, but what do you win when you win? You win your, start, your starting quarterback for the next five years after Dak ages out. There's no, I mean, there's no way. I mean, dude, Trey Lance is too raw. Like, he's not even that. Like, he's closer to the XFL than he is to a third-string well, we NFL quarterback. I mean, quarterback. we don't know. We don't know, right? There's, But how do you even get your reps? You can't even get him reps now. Like, it, it football organizational-wise, it makes no sense at all. It is the, too the high reps- a draft capital.
1: A fourth-round pick, I mean, the the Cowboys will love to waste a fourth-round pick. I I would do that 10 times out of 10. Now, the team that obviously should have traded for him was the Arizona Cardinals. They should have traded for him and just started him 17 games. The
0: the Vikings, you were right. You were onto something. The Vikings, I really thought were going to trade for him.
1: The Cowboys also sneakily have, like, tried to get out of paying Dak, like, a bunch of times. Like, like, you know what I'm – it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I think Dak's really good. But sneakily, they have tried
0: to avoid paying him money. Um. Yeah. They're, they're the fun, ones like that took it to a deadline. Times. They always they take every contract to the deadline and then lose every single one. Yeah. Yeah, you And right. they understand after I don't know why they paid Diggs either. That that this is becoming Cowboys podcast now, but they shouldn't have paid Diggs uh, given his market, given the cornerback market, but they of course did. And then they have Micah Parsons coming up for the largest defensive contract in NFL history. I don't know how they're going to squeeze that with Dak on the books, but whatever. It's their problem. Sure. Uh all right. TJ Hawkinson
1: was yours. Let me uh let me pull up my list. But I I I I am completely with you on that one. I mean, it just is hard for me to ever click them. All right, this one, I will call this uh a soft fade because I I I definitely cannot say this one with my chest, Mm -hmm. but it is Garrett Wilson. Um and it's it's not because I think Garrett Wilson's bad. It's not because I I think that it's it's not really anything to do with Garrett Wilson. And I could very easily be burned by this. I think Wilson could be the number one overall scorer in mm-hmm. fantasy amongst wide receivers. Like, but I'm worried about Rogers. I mean Rogers was not a productive quarterback last year. I'm definitely worried about Nathaniel Hackett being involved at all. Like Nathaniel Hackett is is one of the worst coaches in football obviously i know he was involved in rogers mvp seasons i'm worried about the packers playoff schedule specifically like it's brutal and they play a bunch of outdoors games when you know uh st brown gets a bunch of indoors games Devonte adams gets a bunch of indoor like Devonte adams plays against that that colts defense in week 17 that's really what it is is just straight up i think that st brown and adams are better and maybe this is too best ball brain. Honestly, maybe it is. Because it's not like if I'm sitting there at the turn in the main event tonight and Wilson is available, it's not like I'm going to be like, no. So it's more of a soft fade than a hard fade. What are your – what are your... really, it's just betting on Adams over Wilson. What do you think about that?
0: I have them neck and neck. So it's fractional points we'd be debating to the end of our lives. It doesn't even matter to me. Just draft one. Um, my concern for the Jets is that I don't know if they're good. I genuinely have no idea. I think it uh, might be
1: kind of bad, but I don't even know how much that matters. Of course, because Aaron Rodgers
0: was terrible last year. 21st in EPA, 26th in completion rate. Like he was bad as an NFL quarterback, which is why I think the Packers are a, a sneaky bet to win the division because Jordan Love doesn't have to be good. If he's average, he's already better than Aaron Rodgers was. Um, and no one can tell you why Aaron Rodgers is going to be better. That's also kind of a red red flag. Well, they'll, everyone say only that, says, they'll say he was bad before and then he got right. good again. Or, or they'll say uh, he changed teams. It's like, I can't quantify any of that. Like, tell, give me an actual evidence. Give me a reason why he's going to be better. No one can, which has me very worried about it. Also, with worse offensive line play with the Jets than he had with the Packers last year, a top five O line. So, yeah, uh, of course, I'm very worried about the Jets. I think the hype has gotten out of control. Um, I still think Garrett Wilson, like a Justin Jefferson, is the one who can survive if the team crumbles underneath him. Uh, but even then, when I mean, he, he was not... very good on a crumbly team last year. Yeah. And, and even then his ceiling, I, it could go higher. Of course it can go higher, but even last year's ceiling on plays without Zach Wilson was the wide receiver 10 in points per game. So it wasn't like incredibly high. Maybe he just ends up being like the wide receiver eight in points per game. And that's amazing, but you really didn't win anything. Right. By, by arguing about him as the wide receiver 11 to 13. So I just think he could fit like exactly where his projection has him, And everyone sure. would consider that failure when it just makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think he can totally finish as the wide receiver 10 people who drafted him feel good and the people who passed up on him also feel mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah, don't don't love putting my name to the Garrett Wilson fade. But, you know, we are we are here to give the people our actual draft strategies. And when I am actually on the clock spending my own money, I take Devonte Adams over Garrett Wilson. So, you know, that it, it very. I guess uh, I guess it is what it is. All right. You're up next.
0: I got a few, I got a couple left. Uh, I'll start with Brandon Ayuk because if I'm guessing... I can't loses, I can't get with this one. Uh, I'm guessing who loses out on the 49ers offense because we are expecting them to come back to earth. Brock Purdy's 7.6% touchdown rate was higher than Patrick Mahomes as MVP at 6.3%. So obviously this 49ers offense, we are expecting to come back to earth. And if that's the case, I'm not taking Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel out who both have multitude of ways to score touchdowns. I'm just taking out... Brandon Ayuk, because all he does is run routes that seems easy to me uh and George Kittle by the way who was useless for fantasy yeah I don't Debo really on, I don't really take Kittle with Debo on the field last year George Kittle 11.5 target share only 5.5 PPR points per game in the six games he played with Debo and Brock Purdy pathetic so I just eliminate Kittle and Ayuk from my pool of players so
1: one I do think that the Purdy version of this offense might be a little bit more pass heavy than previous iterations we've seen mm-hmm. of the 49ers. Cause for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan likes him. I, you know, it seemed like, I mean, he hated Trey Lance. Oh, I
0: think he's good. I think he's yeah.
1: really good. I don't think he's good.
0: I, I really don't. I think mm. he was really, think, he was really good under pressure last year too. Like his rates are really good. And he, he scrambles, he makes plays out of the pocket. Like, I think he's good. I mean, I've got a ton of him in
1: basketball because I was drafting him when it was like the will he won't he thing. Like mm-hmm. I like when he was quarterback 25, I was taking him like all the time. Like I, I think he's still my third most drafted quarterback, even though I haven't been working him in as much. Uh, the thing with Ayuk is that I think he's just really good. I think he's a really efficient player. And this is something that Gretsch has been hitting on a lot in Stealing Signals and that Sean has been talking about, which is just like, A big part of the game, now that projections are so good, everyone's updated on news, you know, no one shows up to your league drafting off the magazine anymore, is you do have to beat guys who are efficient enough to score fantasy points over expectation, like based on the work they get. And I feel pretty good that Brandon Ayuk will do that. However, if everyone stays healthy, McCaffrey stays healthy, Kittle stays healthy, Debo stays healthy, Ayuk stays healthy, I think he probably will end up being... Like actually, sort of like what we just talked about with Gare Well. Like, sure, he might finish wide receiver 28, but there's gonna be a lot of weeks where you started him and he went one catch for 18 yards. I think that's possible. Like, I I would say given full knowledge of health, like I would for sure take McLaurin over him. I would I would probably even take Tyler Lockett over him, though the market doesn't really oh, demand yeah. that you do that. Um, I just and also he goes and like I'm looking at underdog ADP right now. And he goes between a bunch of guys I don't really take. Hopkins, you don't take unstacked Burrow. Aaron Jones, I'm not really that into. You don't take unstacked Herbert. I I do like Walker over him. And the big one is that I like Deontay Johnson straight up better over than him. So it's not that I am stone fading Brandon Ayuk, but I have like 20% Deontay Johnson and like probably like 8 or 9% Brandon Ayuk.
0: And that range, I'm stone fading, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he started out the year like around pick 70, 79. And yeah, I was like, that's was good. That's fair. You should." I think he should be around Jordan Addison. I don't think he deserves to be around those other players. Debo Samuel in those six games from Purdy, he already commanded a team high 25.5% target share. Maybe it just switches. It was only six games with everyone on the field together. But well, Debo is a much I, I better I don't want to bet on Ayuk. Yeah. Debo.
1: He, and, Debo he, and, he also,
0: and he also, to be fair, he goes, well, he was going like four or five rounds higher. Now he only goes a couple rounds higher. That's the thing. And it's yeah. like, I'll just, I'll take that every time.
1: If you, if you told me I could only have one of these guys on my board, Debo at wide receiver 17 or Brandon Ayuk at wide receiver 25, it would be Debo. No question all day. I'm not even thinking about it. Like I, I want to have Debo, but I also just want to draft 49ers players a lot. Like, I think it's going to be an offense that has a lot of fantasy points. I guess this is a good one. This is actually a hard fade. I, I don't think I have taken Aaron Jones. I mean, my guess is I've not taken him in the fifth round at all. Yeah, it's Like, funny. I just think the I still believe in the A.J. Dillon thesis that caused him to be like a sixth round pick last year. Like, I think he mm-hmm. is going to be a very efficient runner, not not a pass catcher. I think that obviously the pass catching opportunities in the Packers backfield are going to be far lower with Jordan Love under center than Aaron Rodgers. Like, say whatever you want about Rodgers. And I've said it all about Aaron Rodgers. He is one of the best ever at switching the play at the line of scrimmage and getting the running back just, I mean, you can close your eyes right now and you can see it, right? It's Aaron Rodgers checks it out. Aaron Jones runs the little wheel route and it's him against the linebacker. He beats the linebacker to the pylon and he gets it like everyone knows that play. I think Jordan Love will be way worse at that. And so if we're talking about a timeshare running back who might lose the goal line stuff, actually, I would maybe even say probably will lose the goal line stuff to the more efficient, uh, you know, three-yard runner in A.J. Dillon, we're talking about like a true, like he is, he's one actually the few guys left who actually is a dead zone running back. The dead zone like kind of doesn't exist for running backs anymore because I like Brees Hall and I like Kenneth Walker, who Aaron Jones is sandwiched between. And I just can't imagine clicking him. Like I would just, if I'm going to take a running back who I am not hundred percent sure about their workload, I'd rather take Kenneth Walker.
0: So Aaron Jones to me should not be drafted because he's played 32 games the last two years. And in the 21, he did not score a touchdown. He finished no higher than RB 16 in those games, which suggests that he needs to score touchdowns in order to become an RB one. So you're not really winning anything when you bet on him in his range. Like you're just drafting him at best at his projection and crossing your fingers for touchdowns. That's not really the kind of player I draft where they have to do something like, extraordinary in order to reach their ADP, I'll just let them walk because they also don't show a ceiling. So, Aaron Jones to me, yes, is just like you can argue touches, but again, if we're just basing it on touchdowns, it doesn't even the touches in the past have not mattered at all.
1: Okay, a couple other quick fades. You can tell me if you disagree with any of these. Mike Evans, Miles Sanders, not really taking any of them. James Conner, you know, uh, I get why you would take him. I'm yeah. I'm never taking him. Rashad White kind of get why you'd be taking him but i'm not oh. taking him and yeah. dalvin cook those are those are all guys in the top 100 that basically when i'm scrolling through i'm just not selecting them
0: so the way not ffpc technically because his adp is rising but the way home leagues work for everyone listening just with like their league coming up um they're honestly once you break down the tier of running backs we're avoiding like after that they're really only two breakout picks honestly just like the the core set of players and that is Rashad White and James Cook. That's why I'm higher on them because no one else checks all the boxes except those two I like guys. I like James
1: Cook. And Rashad White, if you told me that the Buccaneers could be the 21st best offensive football, I'd actually probably buy. But so, my expectation is that they're like the 28th.
0: But I, that does not matter for running backs historically. I'll just go to the most recent example was James Conner last year, who like sure. ended the world, his last seven starts was a top 15 running back in seven consecutive games before he got injured. And the Cardinals at that time were averaging the 26th most points per game. Like the offenses don't matter as long as a running back is getting touches and scoring touchdowns. And that's the case for James Cook and Rashad White. You're arguing that there's no competition. Rashad White also is a 98th percent all-athlete. He had a 98th percentile career target share in college at Arizona State, um, 18.9%, and was also used in the boundary and slot as a receiving profile, led his conference, the Pac-12, and targets in his final year as well. And so with no competition, again, he checks all the boxes. Like whether, Regardless if, if I think he's bad because he was terrible last year, look at all the next-gen stats, rushing stats. Like He was awful. Yeah, but, but Fournette wasn't he really that all, good either. Right, he checks Rashad White checks all the boxes at a palatable ADP because he goes after these guys that like Miles Sanders and whatnot that everyone else is drafting. So it's like, yeah, this is just makes too much sense. Like, hold your nose, draft Rashad White and James Cook.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and, and yeah, to, I could to, be I could be talked into Rashad White. I think he just makes sense in home leagues. Again, he, in high stakes leagues, his ADP is rising up around the range of like Joe Mixon, so it, it's it's harder to get him. But, dude, he goes in like the 8th to 10th round in some leagues, and it's like I have to take him because, again, look past him, and it's guys we like, Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren, but they don't have the same situations and profiles as Rashad White. It just makes too much sense, just based on the game of fantasy football and the way drafts work. And to your point on the Bucks receivers, Mike Evans, I'm grouping in Chris Godwin as well. I both think they're overvalued. Uh, a lot of people are arguing undervalued, but I don't think you understand how bad this situation is going to be. Like I think Godwin, Godwin could get
1: there based off. I don't think so. The way the way Jarvis Landry got there for the Browns, but I think Odell Beckham, you know, it's going to be Mike Evans' dad making the highlight of Baker missing Mike Evans on the perimeter
0: all season long. The Bucks were the only offense to average over forty pass attempts per game the last two years. That's clearly because of Tom Brady. That's going away. So eliminate volume. And then when you talk about efficiency, it's the same thing that happened for the Rams. Two years ago, uh, Rams led the league with 80% of their passing touchdowns through the air. We knew regression was coming, and that regression happened. Stafford was injured, but that regression happened vehemently last year for the Rams. Now I believe it's going to happen for the Bucs because they led the league with 84% of their Touchdowns through the air. And then that was the highest rate since the 2019 Jaguars. um The 20 offenses record at least 80% of their touchdown through the air over the last decade. Only one increased their rate the following year. Those 20 offenses averaged a dip uh, or drop off of 13.7%. So we think both efficiency and volume are just going to come roaring back. And if that's the case, dude, there's nothing that can get Godwin Evans there, in my opinion, as like ceiling players. So if they throw
1: 400, that's it. If they throw 480 passes, there literally is nothing that could get Godwin there. If they throw 600, sure. But, I mean, I don't know if they can. I I don't really take Godwin either. I just – it's hard to put your name on a Godwin fade in this year, fantasy football industry. I'm here. i put my name on TG Hawkins, and I'll put my name on Godwin. I don't care. All right, man. Let's wrap it up. Tell the people what they can get at 4 for 4 at Bettsburgs this season
0: and uh, how to listen to the podcast and all that good stuff. I talked a lot about – Uh, the default ADPs and home leagues and whatnot. And there are articles I've written on the site for everyone, whether you draft at NFL.com, CBS, ESPN, um, Yahoo, Sleeper, literally attacking the default rankings players. I'm both higher on than default, lower on than default. And you need to scroll down for guys like Marvin Mims on Sleeper are like beyond top 200 that's not fair like we have to scroll down for him sam how all these other good players so uh the articles are on the site 44.com, and subscribe to the most accurate podcast where we're getting everyone ready for their leagues we've done super flex reviews we've done 14 team league a live draft uh matthew Barry will be on the show tuesday uh, evan silville was on the show just last week so lots happening right now over there the most accurate podcast and if you want in you can use the promo code daigle Dagle. It's already too cheap. I' told them to make it more expensive, given all the work that's going into everything, but it's thirty nine dollars for the year and the promo code Dagle will get you twenty five percent off that, not monthly, literally for the entire year. So take advantage of that.
1: There we go. And uh, the most ringing endorsement I can give for for the pro I mean the four four product is great. but uh, I have my home league draft coming up this weekend, and on my laptop, I will have Dagles. Uh, how to abuse the default rankings on sleeper article pulled up. Uh, it's, it's good content. It's, it's good stuff. So I would encourage everyone to do that. Subscribe to the most accurate podcast, follow at not Jay Daigle, on Twitter, and I will be back tomorrow. Going to try and do a show every day this week leading up to the season. So see you guys then.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022.